What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that shotgun set. Three receivers left. And here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady Unity caught ball. Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons. And what a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Again, looking again. Throws up the middle. Hats in the side. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directed. Oh, so the end Battle in. Picked off of the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hey there, everyone, and welcome in. Like that start, Jeff? Yeah. And hey, welcome in. Hey there, everyone. everyone. And welcome into another episode of the Salty Dogs Podcast, wherein I, Scott Smith. And me, Jeff Ryan. Is it me or I? I think you would say I. Okay. I, Jeff Ryan. Because you, you, you'd reconstruct the sentences if the other person wasn't in there, and you wouldn't say me, Jeff Ryan. Okay. I, Jeff Ryan. <clears throat> we'll, we'll discuss um, mostly Buccaneers football. Yes. With, with some digressions from time to time. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for everyone involved right now, it's, there's a, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk about the Buccaneers. Sure. Wow. <laughs> where do you begin? Where uh, would you like to begin? Ten-game winning streak is where I would begin. And nine straight games with at least 30 points scored now, in a win, and that's a new record. Now, <clears throat> is do you think... A 10-game winning streak in the same season is stronger than a 10-game yeah. winning streak over well, two seasons? Yes and no, because th- this one includes four playoff games, including the Super okay. Bowl. So in a way, the level of difficulty is a little bit higher. But I would like at some point for the Buccaneers to have, it could be this year, sure. to have a 10-game winning streak in the regular season, or at least eight, because that would break the single-season record of yeah. seven that yeah. we did in 1999. Mm, I remember that. I remember it, too, because if a, uh, a very fan, I won't name him, a very famous local writer, uh, very famously wrote after we lost, I think on Halloween to yep. Detroit, that this team wouldn't win another game. They think they were three and four at the time. Yeah, I do. And then we immediately won the next seven games. That's what we need, doubters. <laughs> Before we get too too far along, we do want to say uh, thanks again to our fine folks at Beefo Brady's. And each week, if you're just joining us, Scott's a big fan, and he always has a Beefo Brady tip. Of the week. You like that? Does it have to be a tip or a week? Oh, well, I got more of a story this right. week. Okay, let's go with the story. True story. True story. Okay, let's do it. Uh, this game on Sunday, I'm leaving the stadium. I'm, I'm just getting to my car, and my wife, Giselle, texts me, and she's been visiting family kind of way past Brandon for sure. today, and she's, she's coming home. She said, I was thinking about going to Beef O'Brays and getting some wings. Would you want any? True story. Wow. I wasn't real hungry at the time because they feed us a lot in the press box, but she got some but you high did. sweet chili and uh-huh. some hot wings. And, and did you eat wings? When I you ate a home? couple, yeah, right. because I'm not going to not eat the brief over any wings until there. There you go. Now, you have to do a real read, though. I do. You? Well, speaking of wings, they also have beer, beer and wings. Nobody combines them like Beef O'Brady's. Start with our award-winning traditional or boneless wings in a variety of sauces, dry rubs, and next you can pick your brew. Beef has all your favorites on tap. Beef O'Brady's, where game time meets beer and wine, beer and wing time, 
all the time. I almost said beer and wine time, I'm, but they have wine there too. You don't Sangria. get you don't get doctor anything for messing up the breed, do you? Nah, nah, um, nah. That it keeps it. It's called a live breed. So yeah, stuff so happens. People know that it's real. Sure, it's coming from a real place. Yes. Hey, you said where should we start? I know. I think this is where we should start, and maybe we should do this each week. And okay. it's kind of a blatant rip up. Do you ever watch ESPN Sports Center anymore? I do. I hardly I hardly ever watch right. ESPN anymore. But I, did, I was trying to see the highlights after I got home from the game on Sunday of all the league, because there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened around the league. And uh, so I'm watching it, and it's the Scott Van Pelt one, uh-huh. which maybe they all are now. I don't have any idea. Clueless. I just go with whatever's on. Anyway, he does a little thing where he goes, the best thing I saw today. Oh. So I would say, each. let's say each time, what's the favorite thing that happened in each game? Like last week, I can retroactively – take this back to last week when I talked about how now that the fans are back, when we kicked the game-winning field goal, the first way I knew that it was, it was in was the, the cheering of the crowd, which is sure. really cool and almost kind of gave me chills because yeah. it's been gone for so long. So favorite thing from this game, if you want me to go first while you think about it? Of course, go first. My favorite, and you may have heard me harp on this before, <clears throat> and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a football coach. <laughs> Those guys know more and are smarter about football than I could ever know. And I don't question play calling strategy. I, I feel a butt coming. Well, I just have always felt, not just to the Buccaneers, I just have always felt that play action passing on first and goal is the best time to do it. I always want us to throw, I mean, if, from the five in. Yeah. If you're at the 10, it's, you're probably going to throw. But first and goal, you know, instead of, it's for, you got first and goal at the three, you run the ball, you get one yard, now it's second and goal, and now, especially if you get the third down, nobody's believing your play action, they expect you to pass, but they think you're going to run, uh, or there's at least enough of a threat that you have, if we're going to load unless, up big, it, Unless I know it's a Scott Smith team, and I know he wants to throw. I will have to time. run every now and then, because <laughs> everybody would know my tendencies, yeah. but I've always loved when a team, especially my team, would throw on first and goal, and God darn it, Jeff, we did it all day. Yep. All day. I'm yep. going to go through the play-by-play You were just here. so happy, weren't you? I, every single time, I was Andrew Holman of PR was sitting next to me, and I kept going, I love that we're throwing them well, first Well, you do know the coaches listen to the dogs. Yeah, that you think that's what happened? I think so. Must be. I just think it's smart coaching. Coincidence? I think not. And there was a lot of play action in that game in general, and mm-hmm. it really works. So this is what Coach is talking about when he talks about a, a balanced uh, rushing attack. We still didn't have one, but... There was enough threat in our runs because Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette had a, had a handful of good runs. There was uh-huh. still enough threat of us running that play action worked. Now, it really worked at the goal line. So first and goal at the one uh, early in the second quarter, you bring in Vita Vea, so you got that jumbo backfield. It looks like a running play, play action, touchdown to Rob Gronkowski. Had, Hands go had, up in the air. He had to dive for it. Yeah, but he got it. Uh, later in the second quarter, we get a first and goal at the three, um, and uh, Josh Wells comes in, so it's a six-man line. It's another yep. jumbo front we're showing. It's another thing that looks like a run. We're, we're being deceptive here. Tom Brady, pass to Mike Evans, yeah. touchdown. And that was another thing, yeah, side note, pretty. and you're going to get a chance to see. I'm doing all the talking right now, you're so I'm fine. sorry no, about no, that. No. that. The other thing I loved about that play is I love really simple um, uh, patterns at like the one or two yard line when you've got a guy one-on-one. You know, everybody wants to run the fade. And we did actually run a fade to Mike and it works because Tom and Mike are great at it. Uh-huh. But sometimes just, he ran a pivot. You know what a pivot is? You kind of, he, he took a couple steps in and then turned and went out. Yep. 
That's just that's a simple little route that every flag football team run that. Yeah, Everybody runs nice. pivots. But it was so easy. One-on-one coverage, really easy touchdown. It was pretty. I think they, it always makes me think of the Super Bowl and the two Keenan McArdle short touchdown catches. And they were both just really simple little routes. Mm. They weren't fades to the back corner nope. or combination things. It was just one-on-one. Let's run a real quick little – maybe sometimes it's a slant. Sometimes it's an out. Just something real quick and simple. Okay. All right. Moving on, there's two more. All right. Early in the third quarter, uh, for after that Tom Brady scramble, <clears throat> which, by the way, was hilarious hearing him talk about that after the game when you scramble for six yards in the yep. first down. Uh, Tom Brady, first of all, we try to throw on first and goal. Josh Wells in the game again. And it's incomplete, but there's pass interference, so now it's first and goal at the one. And again – play action and this one you could see because Mike Evans was was over here again but a little closer to the line so uh, there was room for him to run a fade and you could see that they were probably going to run a fade yep. but just couldn't stop it so four times four first and goals we threw the ball every time I love it I love it that's now, good now, stuff what did you love about that game I liked the Tom Brady run <laughs> I really did I liked it so you, that's yeah. funny because you didn't take the bait when I well, brought it up well I was going to but you were on such a roll I didn't want to interrupt you <laughs> Um, but I like I, what I liked about it was he saw what he needed to do and he starts to go, but you could you could sense and see the hesitation of after a few steps. What am I doing? And then he was smart enough to go ahead and just hey I'm go down, watch my knee. I'm all good, done. I loved it. I absolutely loved it because, you know, everybody talks about his age and how he's not very mobile. And he how, talks about that. Well, I know, but, you know, <laughs> it's it, it, because everybody brings it up. And he talks about it because he wants to say back at you, you know, age is just a number. The age thing. And but, mine's unlisted. But he does talk about um, how he's not a runner. Right. Often. Oh, he's not. And, and let me let me give you a, a number here. Before that game, in his first 19 regular season game, no, 17 regular season games as a Buccaneer, uh-huh. Tom Brady had run the ball 30 times for six yards. Oh, he's a lightning. <laughs> so he doubled his yardage total. Yeah. Now, of course, you understand that a sure. lot of those are kneel downs. Yeah. So it's one run, one yeah, run for a negative yeah. one yard. But still, 30, 30 carries for six yards. And now one carry for six yards. No, I, I, I just liked it because you didn't expect it. You know, you talk about the unexpected. That was it. And I, But it was – and it was even uh, – we were talking about it during the broadcast. You could sense the hesitation. It was like, okay, I'm off and running. Then like, hey, wait a minute. What am I doing here? That's, that's, but you know? you, So did you hear his postgame press conference? No. You guys had nailed it perfectly because that's exactly what was going through his head. Yeah. He was really funny at the podium. I, I can't remember it word for word, but it, it, the idea essentially was, yeah, I started running, and then I thought, what am I doing? And then I, I, was, I, I wanted to look behind me because I figured somebody was catching up on me. And then, I, you know, it was just like, it was all like that. It was like, and then I was panicking, and then yeah. I, why am I doing this? It, and then I got down as quickly as I could. It was really fun. Live, live to, uh, to um, uh, do another play. Uh, yeah, but you? but that was that was okay. out of so many highlights on that particular game. That was mine. I will take it. That okay. was good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was the first thing we did. Our favorite things from yep. the game. Oh, you know another thing that besides I winning, of An- course. Another thing that that's cool that I've learned just kind of through the years of watching football. Okay. We also try to fade to Mike um, earlier. I think it was in the second quarter, and it didn't work. Right. Um. And uh, it was cool because I was sitting next to Andrew Holman, like I said, and he's for, he's, he's in, in our communications department, PR, whatever you want to call it. Does a lot of, lot he, of he does the game notes. Yeah. 
In fact, you know that note about the nine or the eight? It was then. Now it's nine straight games of came from him winning with thirty points scored. That originated from him in one of his press releases. Very nice. And then just got picked up by some local media. And sure. And everybody's talking about it on the broadcast. And then I saw them talk about it. Scott Van Pelt talked about it on Sports yeah. Center. So. Well, and that's how things get picked well, up. That, and that's, that's why a, they do a, that. Yeah, it's a great nugget. So, Leonard Fournette's in the backfield. Um, he's. He's he's back there with Tom Brady and Shotgun. You know how they line up just kind of yep. right behind him and off to one side. Mike Evans is split out single coverage. There's a single safety in the middle of the field, and Fournette is to the right of um, Tom Brady. And Tom Brady motions to him to move to the left. And I said to Andrew, "Oh, we're going to throw we're going to throw a fade to Mike right uh-huh. now because that single safety when he moved Fournette over to the other side, that guy moved away from Mike." which was the whole point of, of, of having Litter move from one side to the other. Ah, and so sure enough, we did throw it, but it didn't complete it. But I felt, I felt, like, one of those, I felt like Tony Romo in that yeah, moment. Well, you, you recognize something happening. You know, you watch, you, you know, it's like osmosis. Eventually, you yeah. pick up something. So that's what, yeah, that's what Andrew it. was saying to me. He's been in the league a few years now. But sure. Like, I really I want to learn more about the inside stuff about football. I'm like, dude, if you just keep watching these games yeah. year after year, you're going to. I, it's exactly right. That's exactly right, and, and the more you look at it, and, and because you're following just one team all the time, you, you can tell the tendencies of your team. You can see things. I yeah. Mean, yeah, for sure. You for know, sure. especially if, it, if the system stays in place for a couple of years, you, you know, you yeah. absorb it. You go, oh, I remember when this is, oh, this is what's going to happen. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, you, used to be that or you never say it out loud, but you say it to yourself, I can't believe we're going to run that play again. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, I remember towards the end of the Gruden era, you could kind of get a feel when they did certain shifts and things, uh, what was coming. Well, I always loved that because the same play had 18,000 shifts to it. But, you know, hey, listen, hey, they're doing well. They're, the Raiders especially are offensively. Doing well. They're uh, doing well. They're doing very well. Very well. Very exciting. A team out of nowhere right now. So, Jeff, you know, we're sitting here in this press conference room because it has this really, really long, long table. It's a very so big room. I don't have to get too close to nope. Jeff. And you don't have to get close to me either. Or rather, I don't have to get close to you. I was going to say that there seems like the same thing. So, we can see over into the lobby, which is also the... It's very cool. Is, which is also the, the museum, sort of mm-hmm. a, a Bucks History Museum. Yes. And most prominently is the Moment of Victory statue, yeah. uh, which is kind of life-size, nine life-size, life-size figures, yeah. kind of a silvery sheen to it. And it, what it is, it's nine. It's John Gruden and eight players from that 2002 team and mm-hmm. taken from pictures from the sideline, the poses that each of these guys were in kind of at the moment where the Super Bowl was secured. Sure. Right? Okay, so somebody sent me an interesting question, not for this, but for Mailbag, which I answered. Go up tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> if they were going to do another one of these, oh. which probably not. I mean, there's no, no. room for another one. Lobbying, it's, a, it's an idea that's been done. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something, did different. something sure. to memorialize it. But first of all, it may be a few years. I mean, that didn't, we didn't no. have that until 2006. Right. And, and it'll probably be something different. Won't be the exact same thing. Yeah, and I think probably by the time it's done, the whole lobby will have a complete makeover. Probably at some point. Yeah, yeah because you know once you start changing it's been something, fifteen or, years. Yeah, trying to add something. Yeah, and, you kind of have to redo it. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be fun to see. But and oh, and hopefully you know there's more than just one moment. Well, that was another thing I was saying. That I wouldn't build a statue to this 2020 team yet because they might win another one. Sure, um, but. The question was still valid. If you were building that same sort of statue for last year's team and you got nine play, people to put in there, who would you put? Who would uh-huh. you Because st- right now, okay, so it's John Gruden, Warren Sapp, Mike Allstott, Ronde right. Barber, 
Shelton Corals, Brad Johnson, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, and Simeon Rice. Right. That's who's in that one. That's your. Yeah. So I did. I, I answered the question, but it's not a satisfying answer because no. no matter how you do it, you're leaving out some people you think should be in it. Well, you want right. to give it a shot? Well, well first of all, I, least, I I would I would probably why don't why don't to save time you can give your list and I'll I'll okay. yay or nay it. <clears throat> to the obvious first two, you got to have Bruce Arians, you got to have the coach, and you got to have the quarterback. No question. Bruce That's and Tom. That's so, what I had. Right. Okay. So from there, I. Like to try. I don't think we have it here. Let's see. Offense, defense. It's mostly defense, but that's kind uh, of the structure of that team. That was that team. Yes. There's only two offensive guys, unless you count Gruden. Um, so I'd like it to be four, four, if possible, plus yeah. the coach. So I, I felt like, just because he, he's such a big part of the personality of this team, and because he had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and he's he's Tom Brady's bestie, that I kind of felt like Rob Bronkowski should be. I think that's legit. And then I just don't know. You look at the look at what we do with a lot of our advertising and sure. the big tower walls. It's obvious that this team likes to put Mike Evans and Chris Godwin front and center. Yep. So right there, you're the four offensive players. There you go. So I don't have Leonard Fournette, who had four which, touchdowns. Which I was going to. I don't have um, any of the offensive linemen. But, it's I mean, it's hard to pick one. You can't pick all yeah. five. And how do right. you pick just one of them? Sure. You know, you don't have Antonio Brown, who who made a lot of big plays in the playoffs. You don't even have you don't even have Cam Brayton. He was big Brayton, yeah. for that run. Uh, and then on defense, I felt like you had to start with Devin and Levante. All right, Levante's sort of the elder statesman, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the uh, the, you know, the emotional core of this team. Sure. And then Devin mm-hmm. White was just turned into an absolute superstar in the playoffs. Yeah. And then I went with Shaq to because the the pressure up front was the story of that. Yep. That game. Yeah. <clears throat> so I felt I had to have some pass rusher, and I went with Shaq over JPP. And then my last one was really tough. You could go with Carlton Davis, had a great season. Sean Murphy Bunting had a great postseason. Antoine Winfield showed up big in, in the postseason, yeah, but, you know, he's a rookie. Be, yeah. Going to pick the rookie. Well, uh, pretty key plays, but go or, ahead. Um, Vita Vea. I, yeah. Um, JPP, but I went with Ndamukong Sue just because I felt like he was – Consistent really, throughout the yeah, year. Yeah, just so important to the middle. But Vita Vea, though, what I, what I, you know, you just saw the team change when he came back. You know, there was just a different feel, and I, yeah. I think that was really, really important at that time. So it, it is kind of hard. It's not just a solid. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that, picking those nine wasn't that hard. I mean, who yeah. who'd they leave out? Maybe Dexter Jackson because he was the MVP. He was the MVP. Yeah. Brian Kelly had the most interceptions sure. in the regular season, but really. Michael Pittman, maybe? Keyshawn Johnson would probably think he should be in there, I'm imagining. Oh, no question. <clears throat> Keenan McCardell. Sure. I mean, yes, there is. But, you know, do you take the body of work in the playoffs or do you take the body of work of the season? Well, so, you have to kind of consider both, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a fun one that you could argue and uh, whatever name you put out there, you could make a strong statement for each person. Yeah, and you, but It's you not just, like you're going, are you crazy? How can you pick that guy? No, I'm more yeah. worried about how I feel or what the response would be to the guys that didn't make it. Like, should JPP be on there or something? Sure. Like sure. Anyway. Interesting. It's a tough that thing. Was a great, that's a great qu- little hey, question. Hey, you, you just brought up Cam Brate. Did you realize that was his 100th career game? I did. Hard to believe, isn't it? I think – I. Texted him that after the first game that he was about to play in his 100 career game because I, I used to tell guys that kind of thing in the locker room. Sure. We don't really get locker yeah, room anymore. Yeah, we don't get locker room anymore. And I'm always updating stat files so I know when a guy's about to hit yeah. a milestone. But I just think if you've played 100 games in the NFL, your, your career do- is a, su- a success. I would period. say No matter yes. what else your numbers say, 100 games means you're doing something right. <clears throat> yeah, considering um, how healthy you have to remain to do 100 games and how many years it takes to get there. 
Hey, you know, yeah, no, absolutely. You know how I've uh, kind of complained about how Scotty Miller gets all the reps and yeah, uh, returns yeah. and never in a game? Uh, he finally got a return in a game, uh, but he had to, like, jump up and snare a line yeah. drive, which wasn't supposed to be his play, although Bruce said he made a nice play. He did make a nice he play. He did. <clears throat> he did, yeah. If anybody didn't see it, he wasn't the return man, but the kick was a low-line drive, and he just sort of, sort of plucked it out of the air, you know, 20 yards farther up than we would have gotten to the return man. You know, you talk about kickoffs, uh, you know, uh, we were doing a lot of squib kicking, and it was funny because Gene made a comment, geez, you know, we got great kickers. Why are they doing that? And, we're, you know, we're all of us at, all together said, look at their return guy. Yeah. And that was – Bruce I, does not like getting yeah. the ball in Cordero Patterson's yeah. hands. Or I, Cordero, I think it is. Yeah, I thought, that was, I thought that was well played. I think the strategy was good. I'm not sure we executed it as, as no. well as we would like because the field position yeah. – I mean, you avoided the – you know, 100-yard return, but you were still giving the ball 35, 40, and that's not ideal. At any point in that game, did you think, uh-oh? A little. I can't help it. I can't. Yeah. When it was 20 to 25 and they had the ball, Yeah. you know, you, you got to think a little bit. I, I just kind of thought I, I – it was one of those, for whatever reason, I didn't think it was uh, that it was going to be a problem. I was disappointed because I thought it would have never been this close. But when you have games that close, you certainly can lose those because, yeah, as they say, you let someone hang around. And um, I don't know if you listened to um, the Bruce Arians halftime. No, but I uh, heard, heard he was uh, a little hot. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's very, very hot. Very, very hot. And, and listen, I'll take Bruce hot, cold, anytime. Because he, he's candid. Because he's candid. He's up front. Uh, it. It's something he he does for us at halftime. We get we get we we get a couple questions in. Usually, it's going into the locker room, which makes it a little bit harder because if you look at that second half, uh, at or rather uh, the second quarter, yeah, at near the end of the quarter, things didn't go well. So he was really smoking to begin with, and he didn't have any, you know, no filter. On it was kind of like Chris King, who's in our communications department, who walks with with BA said to me, yeah, you know, if it would have been the normal, like, 40 steps, it might have not been that bad. But it was, wasn't was even 10 steps, and <laughs> boom, he was there, you know. But it was it was pretty good. It was, And he was very honest. He's, yeah. he, his honesty was, his in the part of it that I liked about it was, he just said what most fans were saying. We we should be th- up 35 points at this point. What are we doing? And, 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 and I respect that. And I started, okay, so the first drive... We take the ball after winning the toss, first of all, and nowadays most people defer, but he thought, well, there could be some bad weather coming, so let's have the and, ball. And I like that thinking because there was supposed to be rain yeah, coming. Yeah, I mean, it was smart. I didn't even think about that. But, I mean, he also made it look good when that first drive was just like, just they didn't look like it yeah. could possibly stop us. Right. And then we get a three and out, get the ball right back again, drive right down the field with no problem, and then we end up with the fumble, right? Yeah, turnover. Yeah, so it looked for a moment like, oh, we're about to go up 14 nothing. I kind of was hoping it would turn into an avalanche because I still remember a couple games in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I think a Thursday nighter maybe, yep. where it was like 35 nothing at halftime. And they poured and it, it on. Like 49 yeah. nothing. Yep. I was like, it wouldn't be too karmically awful if we did something like that to them. Yeah. I remember that game because as soon as they marched down the first time, we went in the commercial break, and I said, they could put 60 on us and the way we're playing. just about did. I know. Crazy. <laughs> Wasn't it 56? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. and that was the, that was the game where um, 
we had airplane issues and we sat on the tarmac for three hours. <laughs> so good. I don't. All around. I don't remember anything like that. No, <laughs> you not. You sound a little bitter. No, what's funny about that is though is uh, uh, one of the uh, communication guys. You know, people fall asleep on the plane, and Kelly woke up, and, and we hadn't even taken off. And Chris said to, to Kelly. Uh, yeah, we just landed. And she gets up and she's taking her stuff down. <laughs> hadn't even left. Are, are we trying to set a record for a number of communications? Well, people they help us out. I, I have to say, they help they help me out a, a lot, especially with all. In fact, in normal times, they help me out a lot. But because of all the restrictions, I lean on them heavily. So you asked me if I was I was when they when Matt yeah. Ryan scored the two touchdowns in a row and they got the two point conversion. And they're only down by three, and then uh, we have a three and out. <clears throat> we didn't um, we didn't convert on a third and one. Right. Uh, you and then we're headed into the fourth quarter. I mean, how can you not? Oh no, we didn't have a three and out because we went for it on fourth and one. That tells you something. When you're going for it on fourth and one from your own forty-one, this that, is not a game that's in hand because nope. you just punt if you're up yep. by twenty-eight. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So, um, but we end up punting. Uh, uh, but the good news is uh, Bradley Pinion, who's having an awesome start to the season. Unbelievable. Um, booms a punt, 57 yards. It lands at the, like, two and bounces sideways. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a skill. That's not an accident. We've seen no. him do it many times. I no. don't know how they do that, though, man. That is crazy. It, and it was down at the four. Right. And then maybe the – maybe well, you can't probably say it was a defensive play of the game when there were two pick sixes, but – at least to that point, the defense play of the game belonged to Nacho. Uh, yes. Who yeah. just split the guard and tackle. And interesting enough, it was film study. He said he recognized it off a of film study. That's cool. He said as soon as he lined up, he saw what they were doing, and he's like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where this is going. And that's why he got there almost. But he still had to get right between the, I, the guard and the tackle. They I, still could have blocked him. Yeah, but he said he knew which way they were going. It's, a, cool. it's it's really very, very interesting. You know, you talk about, you know, you were a little concerned. A buddy of mine uh, was at the game, and you know how people shoot you texts during the game. Not that you have time Texas. to read them, but Texas. Uh, texts. Texas? And um, at, this is at 6.36 p.m. Okay. The text says, are you scared? <laughs> 6.36. I reply at 6.37. Not with TB12. Yeah, somebody else said that recently. Then at 6.50, he replies, awesome. <laughs> and then at 9.12 that night, he shoots me a thing. Hey, thanks again. I'm going to have to get on this TB12 gig. <laughs> but he's It's been, a good point, but, though. But Michael's been a, a um, Buccaneer fan forever. And uh, he goes, whether win or lose, he's always, you know, very, very – he'll go on road trips. He's that guy that he just loves his team. It's just tough in the moment when you care that much. Yeah. And a couple of bad things are happening and you start to get worried. Right, right. But you're saying, hey, hey I'm you not, don't need to worry quite so much with TV 12 around. Well, I, I'm I'm all about the give a minute and one score away. I, I'm, we're, we got a shot. And that's, you know, that's what you're asking for. I mean – this week coming up is going to be a hard go. So I think this is definitely going to be a game, uh, a benchmark game, so to speak. I was asked in a couple times during the offseason in various formats like mailbags who I thought or what game I thought was most challenging, going to be the biggest challenge on our schedule. And I've been saying Rams all along. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, kidding. I'm not changing my mind. Yeah. <clears throat> that yeah. it's, it's a complete team. It's like, 
I was saying this to Casey on earlier today on our live show. It's like they, it's like a super group because they had a great band, uh-huh. but they wanted a new front man. Yeah. So they got a new front man. So it's like, uh, it's like Audio Slave, where they got Chris Cornell, Cornell from Soundgarden and put him in front of Rage Against the Machine, and they uh-huh. did some great stuff. Sure, sure. So, uh, kind of like Van Halen, depending on who I, your I lead would singer use is. That, I would use that as a, as a as in fact, I did in the mailbag as an example of what if it not working out. Yeah. Because the Van Halen with Sammy Hagar was yeah. kind of lame, yeah. if you ask me. Or you could, or you could be like Journey without S- Stephen Perry. Yeah, but that's, which, but they replaced him with who? Um, he was a guy from Asia who sounded just like him. See, but that's not a super group. A super yeah. group is taking like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young were all from different groups. Right. Oh, and or then all Eric Clapton in. and Cream. Oh, well, Eric Clapton, you name it, he was with how, how many? I know, but ones? that was that was with Derek a bunch and the of Dominance, other. Huh? But that? I'm saying Cream. I yeah. I I I never. It's before well, my Cream's time. Cream's great stuff. It's before my time, and Eric Clapton is probably the only name I can think of right now. But all the guys in the band came from other very big, successful bands. Mm-hmm. Or the Traveling Wilburys. Sure. Oh, that's with good. Roy Orbison. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but anyways, yes, they have a. They, they, I've seen both their games. They being the Rams, yeah. uh, we had. Uh, I saw their first game because we were off that Sunday, um, and then that was I, the Bears. Correct. And then I watched the. We I was at the stadium, but I had on the. Um, Colts, Rams, Colts, and yeah, Rams, Colts, and I thought I thought the Colts kind of self-inflicted on themselves. They kept it close, but again, yeah, they they messed up around the goal line, didn't they? Yeah, he did a shovel pass. Oh, that's right. Yeah, really a bad shovel, like bad, bad, like like, Troy Reader. Like, what are you doing, bad? Um, And I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose, but it happened. Well, I've I've read about that, and apparently it was a tight end or something. They got bumped off where they were supposed to be, so he was throwing where he thought he was going to be. Sure. And and that's the kind of the thing where if you don't know what the play is, you think it's one person's fault, and you find out it really is a combination of yeah. errors that happen. Yeah. But um, they look good. I thought uh, I, I thought um, you know a, an old friend of ours is the defensive coordinator now, Raheem Morris. Uh, he didn't he didn't really change the defense. Yeah, it's they're, an interesting situation. Yeah, he's kind of taking it over. They're, they're taking over. The, they're keeping the scheme from Brandon Staley. Yeah. But there's no way Raheem's not going to somehow even not sure. even, not even purposely, but he's going to put his own stamp on it. Right, and he did, and and he and if you go back and look at what Raheem did with the Falcons last year, their defense was playing really really bad, and he ended they up becoming the court. Yeah. yeah, and he ended up sliding over there, and and then he was the head coach. Yeah, and then they did some nice stuff, you know. Um, so there's that, and you know, I mean, their quarterback uh, looks like a, a guy that you thought he was going to be. I guess he just never had the the talent around well, him. And but you know, he in had Detroit. three playoff seasons. In well, that's true. You they, forget they, that they didn't win any playoff games, but they did. Yeah. They did have enough seasons where they were good enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Three of them. But this is the best team he's been on, and that's obvious. Yeah. And you, I'm sure you recall last year's game, Robert. Just nonstop. Quick passes to Robert Woods and mm-hmm. um, Cooper Cup. Yep. They one guy had 12 catches for like 145 yards. The other one had like 11 for 130. And it's just schemed up really well. Those guys are great players sure. too. And Cooper Cup is awesome running with the ball. But it's also it's also a lot of just the Sean McVay offense and how well it schemes guys open. Right. They still have that. They're still doing yep. that. But now they're also chucking the ball downfield with Matthew Stafford. They've done really well so far in two games on passes that go in the air more than 20 yards, which was sure. not a big part of their offense right. before. So that kind of 
that's a little scary because they already had an offense that we were having trouble figuring out, mm-hmm. and now they can throw it deep too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you're going to have the crowd effect into it. I mean, this yeah. is a big game. This is a big game on their calendar. <laughs> it's a big game on our calendar. Um, yeah, and neither team's going to be in any bad shape no. when they lose. One yeah. team's going to lose. Sure. I mean, barring a tie. Right. Neither team's going to be in bad shape at two and one. And maybe having just played the best opponent they're going to play all year. But you kind of want this one. It's but an NFC it's a game. Yeah, it's a statement. It's an F- NFC yeah. game. You're you're looking at hey, you know, you're going to help your cause later on down the road, uh, especially with the 17 game season. How that will change things up a little bit. Um, so I I'm looking forward to it. Tiebreakers. I, yeah, I, I look forward to a lot of games, but this one, I think it was said best. All games are important, but some have just a little more oomph to that them. That was. Um, was it Gronk or was it, it, uh, it was Gronkowski? Was he? I think Carlton said something similar. Yeah, and I and I I feel the same way. There are some games that d- he just, just said a little more. He to just it. said every game is important, and it's like I really mean that. But some games definitely feel more important. Yeah, I agree. I and this agree. one does. It could come. It could be a tiebreaker. Remember, there's only one, and we're looking way down the road right now. But there's only sure. one um, buy now with You're the seven right. playoff teams. So. Yeah. It could end up being the tiebreaker that gets you the only buy. Sure. Yeah, you just don't know. And, and you know, it's a good measuring stick. But we also know, too, that, you know, how you play uh, against a team in the regular season and how you play against them in the playoffs are it doesn't not have to be the same yeah. thing. So, the Saints so, found that. Yeah, so you're not. The Chiefs found that. Yeah, it's not like, oh, oh, oh. you know, so it, it'll be fun. It, but here's the thing. It's a West Coast trip. And so, if you're going to go all the way out there, let's just win the damn thing. Right. That's, it's, it's, it's it just a, lot, makes, a lot goes into it. Sure makes that red eye coming back a lot easier. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is the next game after that is the Patriots game. Holy moly. And obviously there isn't a more anticipated game, not only on the Bucks schedule, but probably on, in the entire NFL regular season schedule. Yeah. Tom Brady going back to yeah. play the Patriots. That's just going to be a circus. The funny thing about it is, Take all that out of it, and it's probably one of the least important games we'll play all year because it's an AFC game. Right. So it does. It's not going to factor large in no. any tiebreakers. It's a road game. Yeah. So you you know the the old formula is win all your home games, win half your road games, sure. and you're twelve you're four. Yeah. It'll have to be something out of seventeen yeah. now, but so you you don't feel as bad about losing a road game as you do about losing a home game. Right. You don't feel about as bad about losing an AFC game as you do about losing an NFC game. And yet, it's the biggest game in the history of mankind. Sure, yeah. so it's kind of well, funny to some, but not others. But I will say, you know, you mentioned about the home games. It is kind of nice that there's a little streak there. Last, uh, at least the beginning of the season, when fans are in there, that you've had f- your first two games starting the season were at home. You won both of them. That's I, I you know, having the fans back for the first time. I like it. I, I thought that was a good way to begin. Um, and you're right, road games. Yeah. Sure, would like to see it though. I so, mean, sorry, I, that's I'm, doing, right. I'm doing to you what I, I know. Well, I know you have uh, you have breaking news. I'm sure before. Well, the injury report's coming at some point, but yeah. no, this is actually the second week in a row in the middle of us recording salty dogs that I got a text from my son up oh. at Georgia Tech. He's doing well. He's, he wants Alex. he wants money. Yep. He wants what? money for dues to join another. Club. Nice, I like He's it. He's joined the astronomy club. He's joined the baseball so team. He, he's joined now. He's joining the spike ball club. So he's he's enjoying. He's definitely having a, a good time college there. life. Well, and the grades have been good so far. That's the time to do it. But enough about that. And let uh, let that moth out of your wallet, there, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I've been paying everything he asked for. I know. I know. So here's right. a couple of things that can tell you that while the Bucks are two and zero, uh huh, 
that this team can be a lot better. And it, to me, okay. and, and it's not just the simple stop with the self-inflicted wounds, with sure. the penalties, and yeah. the turnovers. I'm talking about third down. We have not been particularly good on third down on either side of the ball yet, and uh, there's no reason why our offense shouldn't be better on third down. Mm-hmm. It's so good. To me, it's just fluky. We're like tied for 17th in third down conversion. It's like 39.1 percent. This team could easily be converting half well, of its third downs. It's it's called potential, and you well, know what that does to you. <laughs> Well, we're something like seven of nine on third downs of three or fewer yards mm-hmm. and like two of 14 and all the rest. Now, we need to be better. We should be able to convert third and sevens and third and eights, not third and fifteens. But we haven't done very well on that yet. But we also need to stop the things that get us into the long third downs. And we can. And I think that we will. Um, so I just think the offense can do more because there's we should be extending more drives than we are. Sure. I'm not complaining because the offense. Yeah, right. We lead the league in scoring. If you took away the two defensive touchdowns and the defensive touchdown, I think Kansas City has, we'd be second to Arizona. Right. But still be like 33 points a game. Can't complain about that. Nope. On the flip side, the defense is giving up something like 45.5 percent third downs, and I think they can do better on that. Hopefully, starting this Sunday. The weird part about that is in that game against the uh, Falcons. We stopped three third downs. No, four. They had four third downs that were. They had six third downs that were four yards or that were three yards or less that they needed. All right, six. You get there were six here. of them. You have six third downs that were three yards. The Falcons or are on less. the defense. There's six third downs that were. They needed four yards or less, okay. and they. We stopped four of them. That's really good. Very good. And we also stopped a fourth and one. Yes. So, I don't know. That's pretty cool. We just apparently have got to get better on stopping third and seven and third and eight. Mm-hmm. And why would we not? I think we will. And so like, that's why I think we're going to be better. We're going to just have the ball more often. We've right. only we've only had the ball for an average of, tw- I don't have the right stats with me, but like twenty six minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got the Ram stats with me for. Sunday. It'll be it'll be um, it'll it'll be a true test this Sunday. So. And these are your questions. Yeah. Ready? All right, Salty Dogs. Great game this week, but there are still a few areas that need to be cleaned up. My question comes with just under four minutes four minutes remaining in the game. He's saying he sent it at that point, and so you probably already know what it's about. Has there ever been two pick sixes in one quarter by the same player? Longtime listener Kent Denny in Riverview. Hey, Kent. That's weird because I, I remember the name. I recognize the name. He sent a question, but I thought he I lived thought in it was Tennessee. Ron, wasn't it Ronnie Barber who did a couple? Of Ronnie Barber had two, but they weren't in the same quarter. Oh. He was, in same the regular game. season, yeah. he was the only guy until yet, until Sunday sure. who had done that for the Bucks. two pick sixes. And you were joking about it last week, I think, because it came in the Matt Bryant yeah. 62-yard field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Matt Bryant got to the key to the city. And, and Ronnie got nada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, if you expand to include the playoffs, obviously Dwight Smith is in the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, but we were we were saying weren't those in the fourth quarter last week? They weren't because remember the first one was pretty close after halftime. Yeah. It was the throw, attempting to throw it to Jerry Rice, and there's that picture that that I that sticks in my mind from the other end zone where you see Dwight. He's just picked off the ball and he's starting towards the end zone. Jerry Rice is on the ground, and our sideline is is starting to go nuts. Yeah, like half of them have already realized what had happened and their hands yeah, up, yeah. and some of them haven't realized yeah. yet. It's a really cool picture. Anyway, yes, it has. Robert uh, Kent, a player, a linebacker, he was a rookie actually, named Robert Massey in 1992 for the Phoenix Cardinals, as oh. they were known that year. 
returned two interceptions for touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's the last time it's been done in the fourth quarter. It's possible it's been done in other quarters since 1992, but I didn't mm-hmm. think I had to look that up since the question was, has it ever been done? And this proves that it has sure. been done. Sure. Nice. So there you go. That's a good one. All right. Next it one. Was, th- those, were, those were fun plays. Yeah. Those, those I, I have to say. And I will say, I didn't think turning around in the end zone backwards is taunting. I saw the replay. And I don't, I don't think in any way he was taunting anybody. I didn't think he was either. And he even said that he didn't. He didn't know he, that would be called taunting. Right. He didn't believe. He wasn't taunting, so he didn't think it was. But since they called it, now he knows, and he won't do it again. Like like Antoine Winfield in the Super Bowl probably knew that That's throwing payback. up the deuces in front. Yeah, yeah was That's going payback. to be taunting. But they didn't call it during during the regular season, so he had no gauge. So. In order so, players now have a gauge of when is taunting and not yeah. taunting. Throwing up the deuces in front yeah. of a guy on the ground right in his face yeah. is pretty obviously taunting. That was an easy call. But this he, one, I don't think it was taunting at all. No. I, I don't know why they threw the flag on that. He didn't, like, gesture at any no. player. Or he was, it wasn't like he was slowing down and holding out the ball. You, you know what's amazing is, um, hey, if running two steps backwards in the end zone when you could have run forward to score is a taunt, then why isn't diving and rolling into the end zone when right. you could have just like Ooh, like uh, right. like um, uh, Lamar Jackson did? Sure, and other people have done. And what? Why isn't the Lambo leap taunting? Okay, that's kind of a different subject. I was making a direct comparison between you could just stroll into sure. the end zone, but instead you do it in a different way. Yeah. So what about walking two steps backwards is worse than jumping and rolling yeah. in the end zone? Right, doing a flip. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. That's That should not be called taunting. No. And nobody's happy with, well, I'm no. just, I guess some people up high are happy. You know, not many people are high, happy about them enforcing this taunting rule so strictly this year. Sure, it'll be interesting to see how There have been something out. like 11 penalties already, mm-hmm. and there was like nine last year. Yeah, so, but... That's the rules. You know, they, with it. early to mid-2000s, they started cracking down on celebrations. Sure. Remember that? And there was very specific things. You couldn't use props. You couldn't be right. choreographed. And then, like, three or four years ago, they were like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Let them celebrate. Nobody cares. Yeah. That's what should happen here. Sure. I think, I think it's like, well, they're doing a bigger emphasis this year. So, as always, it's a little more in the beginning. And it'll, it'll, it'll slide that's, itself that's down point. and get itself in. You know, but it, once everybody's on the same page and kind of knows what you can and can't do, it'll, it'll be all right. The two Mike Edwards pick sixes were cool yep. because the first one, he's playing in the slot, which he was only doing because Sean Murphy Bunting was out. Yeah. And that's pretty cool that he's that versatile. And what? He All he does is come in and get picks. I know. It's crazy. His picks to snaps ratio is insane. And then the second one was because Todd Bull said, you yeah. know what? I'm throwing a double corner blitz at, at yeah. these guys right now, which yeah. is just funny. And it's just a, funny. It's like an alley-oop ball Carlson in the Davis. air. Yeah, Carlson yeah, Davis great. alleys it and he oops yeah. it. Yeah, that was, that was a fun play. All good right. Good for Mike. Go ahead. Hello, sodium canines. Ooh. Mm. Salty mm, I got it. I figured that out. Shouldn't it be sodium chloride canines? I don't know. Great win. Okay. Love this streak we are on. Well, yeah. yeah. And the great energy in Tampa. Yeah. That's cool. My question this time is about injury reports and specifically on-field injuries. Hmm. When a player goes down for a team, is there someone that relays that message to the opposing team? Such as when the Atlanta cornerback went into the locker room, does someone on the Bucks have access to that info like we fans do from the on-field reporters. Just a minor question. Thank you so much for the great podcast, and go Bucks, Makai Pilara. <clears throat> okay, 
we know exactly how this goes down. And it's not because of the sideline reporters. No. In fact, the sideline reporters are getting their information from our sideline people. Correct. Each person, each team has one communication slash PR person on the sideline for the entire game. In our case, you've mentioned him a couple times already, Chris King. Yep. They're the ones that are allowed to go up to the trainer and ask him about a player that's hurt. Correct. Then they're the ones that go to, I don't know what order they might do it in, but they'll tell the sideline reporter. And they will go to a telephone on the sideline that is dedicated to this purpose that they then call up to PR people in the press box, report the injury, which is then disseminated about right. first to our like GM and sure. people on the team that should know. And then very shortly after that, to the to radio, to you guys, yep. to, and to the internal PA guy who then announces it in the, in yeah. the press box. Yeah, usually, usually they call up. They call up first. They call the. You almost had it right. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish this was on camera to <laughs> see so you try to hit a cough button. Anyways, they uh, they they call up first, and then we get it. And usually, in my ear, out, TJ will say, "Hey, I've got the latest uh, on so and so," and then we'll get him get him on the air as fast as we can. So yeah. Yeah, I was talking about the TV sideline reporters, but that's true. Also, the radio sure. sideline guys like yeah. TJ Reeves. Yeah. So that's how it happens. Yep. I've always. I never got to be the sideline guy when I was in PR. Yeah. I don't really remember why. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I don't think I ever was. It kind of, I think that'd be kind of fun. Sure, sure. It's a long. It's it's fun as long as it's not really really cold and or it's raining. not raining. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And you're winning. It's awesome. Yeah, it wouldn't be it's fun. It's a fun on, gig. It wouldn't be fun yeah. in Green Bay. In, Other than in that, yeah, not so much. Okay. All right. Last one. The last question. Hey, there's really not much of a question to it either. All so. Right. Hey, Scott and Jeff. He put and in big letters. All right, and? We are 2-0. and oh. The number two actually brings me to my observation, and I'll make this brief. Okay. And and this is why, actually, I didn't bring up the Monty Kiffin induction into the Ring of Honor, okay. which is obviously worth us talking was, about, yes. but I purposely didn't bother. I, if you'd have brought it up, I'd have talked about it, but right. I'm like, we're going to talk about it here. Okay. My friend was at the Falcons game and experienced Monty Kiffin's Ring of Honor ceremony, and they said the chant of Tampa Two roared through the stadium, which it did. Brings a chill as I write that. Mm-hmm. Now check out some strange two, with uh, air quotes here, connections. Two pick sixes in a game. Two players with two TDs. Last player to have two pick sixes in a game was in 2012. Second week of the season. Bucks record is 2-0. and oh. What a cool way to honor Coach Kiffin. Scott, you're a numbers guy. Can you find any other two connections you guys rock for being a bunch of salties. Go Bucks, Bobby Munster. I like that, Bobby. I like that a lot. I wish I would have thought of that. Let's explain to anybody that didn't see it. Um, so, Monty Kiffin, the longtime Bucks defensive coordinator, um, was inducted into the Ring of Honor, and they had a ceremony at halftime. He was our defensive coordinator from 96 to 2008, which is 12 what? seasons. 13. 13. Which is a really strong, long stretch for any assistant coach. Sure. For any team. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think all but one of those years, maybe two, we ranked in the top ten in defense. A couple yeah. times we're number one, like 2002, Got a couple guys in the Hall of Fame. In, in two NFC defense, NFL defensive players of the sure. year. Um, three guys so far in the Hall of Fame. Just an unmatched run of success. And he did it mostly. I mean, every, every coordinator switches things up, but he did it mostly by just running the cover two defense so well. And the cover two defense has been around forever. At the most simplest, it means 
two deep safeties split in the field. Yep. There's more to it than that, but, but that's, the, that's, the, that's how you can see it immediately. It, it's a, it, that's basically trying to not give up big plays. But you mm-hmm. have to have good guys, really good athletes, sure. to make that work. We saw a little bit of cover two you know, in the Mike Smith defensive yeah. area, and we just didn't have the players, and it just didn't work. They just picked it apart. Right. Um, but he had the players, and he had the brain, and um, it was the cover two was executed so well during Monty Kiffin's time here that now everybody just calls it the Tampa, Tampa two. two. Yeah. And Which so is... the chant, as every Bucks fan knows in the stadium, is usually Tampa, and then the other side Bay. Bay. Yeah. But uh, Monty led him in a chant of Tampa. Two. And it was funny because when he was explaining it, he goes, okay, when I say Tampa, everybody yelled Bay. And he goes, no, no, you got to listen. Now just listen up, okay? You got to pay attention here. Yeah. You say two. And then they did. And they did, and it was great, yeah. and he enjoyed it clearly. And it was. That was one of the best, well, was one of the best Ring of Honor speeches yeah. because. It was it, very short. It just, what, well, cap, capital, cap, cap. Capped? No. Captured? Captured the moment of what it was all about with him. Yeah. Just, he, he always it was said that it was all simple. about the fans, and, yeah. and he he thanked his family and uh-huh. coaches and players, yep. but then got right to it. Yep. Um, you know, he said, "Do I see any other twos? I mean, you kind of got them all there. Sure. I mean, there were Matt Ryan's numbers too. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no. wow! <laughs> Each team had two first downs by penalty. I'm grasping yeah. straws here. Sure. Every box score play by play is going to have and a lot of twos two, in it. You had two chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> I had three. Actually. Okay. Well, um, so. By Beef O'Brady's. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, so that is a cool point by, by Bobby here. Yeah, good stuff, fun. Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, I appreciate that. That, that first, uh, def- first assistant coach ever into the ring? Sure. Honor. Yeah. Pretty it's amazing. quite an honor. We all love Monty, mm-hmm. obviously. Great guy. And I'm happy, you know, it was supposed to happen last year, and of course they, right. they didn't because of, of all the restrictions. And the, fa- the stands and the fans were weren't empty there. or not very yeah. well. And it was nice that people sat in the stands and, and, you know, got into it, and it was a lot of fun. So. Hey, by the way, Tom Brady was voted FedEx Air Player of the Week again. Again. Two out of two. So wow. Far. We have four awards in uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Wow. Usually means you're winning games. Yeah, something's going Although right. Although this one is, there are People are nominated, and then fans vote for it. Sure. Yeah, that one you don't know about. Yeah. The, the other ones, the ones we get, like this, Mike Edwards just comes from the league. Sure. So the league decides. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. I like it. I like it. You got, got you anything have else? to say? I do. I do. I just say, hey, thanks, Beefs. We, we appreciate you. And if you turn to this podcast, you know we're here for the classics. Also, Beefs, you're going to find them. Wings, nachos, Angus burgers, beer, put them all together, and you get Beef O'Brady's. Are you hungry for tailgate greatness? Try Beefs to go or full-on catering. Beef O'Brady's, where game time meets tailgating time. Got anything else? I'd like to go to tailgate that was catered by Beef O'Brady's. Well, maybe we'll have one. I never get to go to tailgate. Well... It's this prob- dumb job. It's probably a good I hate thing, this right? job. Yeah, you hate tailgating, right? <laughs> we can fix that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Since you did, thanks for listening.